Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that's back from its little summer break and is refreshed and ready to tackle anything and everything that the property world throws at us. And today we're taking on a subject that's big, thorny and vital all at the same time. The shifting sands between retail and the logistics sector. If we see the same level of growth for the next 12 months that we've seen since lockdown, Um, then we're going to need at least 15 million square feet more of warehouse space. And we'll be looking at how they can work together to the benefit of all. Retail warehouses traditionally were split on, say, 80% trading space and 20% storage. I think that will reverse, that you will have a small showroom to the front of the store, but you'll have a benefit of a, a larger click and collect sort of warehouse area at the back. I'm Guy Ruddle, and joining me are three people steeped in all these issues. Kevin Moffid is Head of Industrial Research at Savills. He advises both internally and for clients, as well as being a regular speaker at industry events and a regular speaker on Real Estate Insights. He's in the studio with me, the first studio guest we've had since COVID. Kevin, welcome back to Real Estate Insights and welcome back to the studio. Thank you very much. Yeah, my, my third time. Happy to be back. Uh, well, it's great to have somebody actually in the studio with us as well. Charlie Spicer is a director in the industrial and logistics team at Savills Birmingham. He works across a broad range of clients, including owners, developers and occupiers, including major retailers. Charlie, welcome to Real Estate Insights. Guy, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. And Stephen Proudly is a director in the National Retail Agency team. He's based in Manchester and works with major retail brands as well as developers and landlords. Stephen, welcome to you. Hi, Guy. Thank you for having me. Well, so we've got uh, we've got Kevin, who's the sort of knows everything about everything, and we've got logistics and we've got retail, so we should be pretty well covered today. Kevin, let me start with you. I, I described the relationship between retail and logistics as sort of shifting sands. Is that is that fair? Is it a bit like that? Yeah, very much so. Um, I think it was back in 2015. Um, Andy Street, uh, the now mayor of the West Midlands, former chief executive of John Lewis, he said something you know, very profound at the time, which was that the retail winners will actually be supply chain winners. Um, and that was off the back of a you know, record-breaking year for, for John Lewis. Um, since then, the world has changed. Online retail continued to grow um, until it got to about 20% of all sales um, at the back end of 2019. Fast forward to where we are now, post-pandemic or, or, or during pandemic as, as we are, um, online retail now accounts for 33% of all of the um, retail sales in the UK, and, and that's having a, a huge impact. Um, Stephen's going to talk about what's going on in the, in the retail world, but it has a direct impact into our world in, in logistics real estate. Um, Prologis, one of our clients, put a paper out a number of years ago now, and they said that for every extra billion pounds spent online you need an extra 770,000 square feet of warehouse space if we see the same level of growth for the next 12 months that we've seen since lockdown um, then we're going to need at least 15 million square feet more of warehouse space to accommodate that demand yeah so Charlie you must be a very busy man in your industrial and logistics team I was going to say, your, your opening was you know, to welcome us back from our summer break, and much to my wife's annoyance, we haven't had a summer break. Um, we've never known it as busy. I think this came off the backdrop of um, sort of a second best ever year in terms of take-up last year with just over sort of 35 million square feet um, of, of logistics, logistics space transacted. 
I think th this year or H1, half one of the year was our best ever at just over sort of 22 million square feet. And it certainly feels, it's been a sustained period of activity, much sort of what Kev's just said really. Um, there's a huge demand for logistics space and we just don't see that changing. And if anything, COVID has really accelerated some of the, some of the changes in the sector. And is there actually space out there? I mean, you know, warehouse or, or whatever type of space physically out there to meet the demand? There, there is space, um, but it's not always in the geography that occupiers need it to be in. And gone are the days where warehouses are just big empty boxes which store product. Warehouses of today are sort of multifunctional buildings. Um, it's, it's smart buildings. It's moving product quicker. It's, it's automated. It's high tech. And actually, you can't just go in, if you're a major retailer, you can't just go and open a warehouse tomorrow. It might take nine to 12 months to build your bespoke warehouse and probably the same again to put all your automation fit out in. And your automation and fit out might be the same price or in, indeed more expensive than the real estate. So there's huge challenges to upgrading uh, for a retailer to upgrade their supply chain. Yeah, and uh, Stephen, for you, I mean, you know, the, all this great stuff in logistics is is mainly, I guess, driven by online demand and not physical demand. So, you know, when you look at physical retail, and, which I guess is an, an area where you specialise in, you know, there are lots of announcements all the time about how you know people are cutting jobs and closing stores and things like that. What's it like for you out out on the in the real world? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there isn't a day goes by at the moment where we don't have a scenario where there's another day and it's another CVA. Um, we are seeing a, an acceleration of, of store closures and and business failures, also town repositioning and polarisation with with so many operators currently heading to sort of last-ditch uh, CVAs, the company voluntary arrangements. I think many of those, though, are, are down to a real lack of investment and, and the change that, that consumers expect. And I think that the, the key thing that I, I would say in what we're seeing in the sector at the moment is it, it's not really about convenience. It, it's not about price. It, it's more about choice. And I think that is where we are seeing this, this huge shift and, and the growth of online. And, and whilst Kevin alluded to uh, across the board, there being a narrow shift towards sort of 35% of uh, retailer turnover online, it, in many cases, uh, that, that is becoming uh, nearer to 50-50. Um, and I think what we are seeing in a, in a post-COVID world, we're likely to see some of those retailers who to date have not had an online presence may well think again and start to have you know uh, putting together their own platforms for online sales or joining up with existing platforms and at a very simple level is there any doubt in your mind about uh, you know high street occupancy it for traditional consumer retail that that, that will go down I, I think it will change. I, I think there will always be and remain a synergy with physical and online presence. I think, though, what, what, what COVID has created is that location has become you know, the single biggest influence on performance. And interestingly, at the moment, you know, as we're seeing and as, as highlighted on the news, you know, the large city centres and your regional malls have been particularly badly hit. Uh, with many retailers, their sales being still sort of 50 to 65% down, 
I think in central London, you know, those sales are probably still 80 to 90% down. Whereas in the smaller, more localized regional markets, they're actually quite strong. And interestingly, the, the out-of-town market has probably been the one sector which has been least hit with, with footfall and, and trading performance, you know, generally not much more than 10% down, which given the circumstances is, is quite positive. This shift, yeah, it's an, it's an acceler- acceleration, exaggeration of what was happening already. Is there an element of it that is actually COVID-related and it will you know, ease back and actually the acceleration, the, the, the big move towards online away from physical will ease as we get back to, if we get back to a more normal lifestyle? Well, I think, you know, I think they say it takes 21 days to form a new habit and you know we're 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 way more than 21 days into into this um this pandemic situation the one thing we should say as well though is that the the act of physical retail acts as a catalyst for online retail um you know the the branding the brand awareness all of that type of stuff it's probably no coincidence that amazon are looking to open more physical stores as well because of that um uh, that branding and brand awareness it also allows you to easily much more easily manage your returns you know when people are buying stuff online and they want to return it uh, to the store so there's there's all of that going on as well so we need physical stores but we probably need them to be a bit different do we need them to be more like sort of showrooms with warehousing behind them or something like that yeah i think i think we are we are going to see something i I saw a really interesting quote the other day from a a, a retail futurist and yeah his quote where he said the future of retail is at home and i think it goes back to my point about what consumers want they want choice and that choice is available on the internet. I think, though, Kev's point about Amazon and moving to a physical presence, if you look at Next, which is probably you know, the standout brand in terms of their online platform combined with a very strong portfolio of stores, they're, they're much smaller than Amazon. Uh, but they are doing very similar to what Amazon do. They were just came from a different starting point. They started in the high street and they've moved rapidly online and i think what what will those stores look like in the future i think you know retail warehouses traditionally were split on say 80 percent trading space and 20 percent storage i think what may happen over the next five to ten years is that will reverse that you will have a small showroom to the front of the store but you'll have a benefit of a, a larger click and collect sort of warehouse area at the back um in many ways sort of uh, similar to what the argos model was uh, still is and what's Yeah, because when you say what, what people want to do, is what, what people want when they're shopping is choice. That, that's true, but they, they don't just want to shop. You know, they want an experience. They want to go and be the same place as other people despite COVID and in the future without COVID. You know, they, 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 they want to be able to convenience for, as you say, click and collect and things like that. So there's a role, isn't there? If you, if you, if you start thinking about it differently of bringing, you know, the, the, the complications of logistics, for instance, Charlie, last mile logistics is always the thing that everyone talks about. You know, is there a way that, that I think what Charles Stevenson did is that, you know, the, the, each can solve the other's problems somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing that in our sector already. We have been for some, for some time. Um, back now, historically, you'd have a sort of national distribution centre, which would go down to your regional distribution centre. And that might go to a smaller building, then to a smaller building. And that good 
so through the retail chain might be touched five or six times before it gets to the customer. We've now got clients um, you know, taking buildings over half a million square feet where yes, it's traditional storage, but also you know, they're having the goods in and the goods out to store, but they're, all dis they're also dispatching straight to you know, your, your and I's front door. So the, these buildings are becoming multi-purpose. Um, you know, we have one building um, stores a lot of confectionery and at Christmas time, if you want your name written um, on your quality street, they'll print it in the warehouse and ship it to your front door. And it's all about ad adapting that process. I'm a bear of very little brain, as anyone who listens to Real Estate Insights knows. But it, it seems to me that if you've got too much retail space or not enough logistics space in the country, well, you know, put the two together and maybe one can help the other. Unfortunately, the economics of this don't make it as simple as, as you would hope. Um, you know, the uh, everyone talks about repurposing retail space into logistics space. On paper, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but actually, you know, in many places of the UK, the, the rental levels for warehouse space haven't risen enough and the rental levels for retail space haven't fallen enough to make the economic... Yet. yet true. But then also there are... There are other physical attributes. Um, you need to think about the height of the building. You need to think about the access doors. You need to think about the size of the yard. You also need to think about 24-hour access if you're having a, a supply chain operation. You know, retail parks you know, have some of those attributes, but not always all of them. So it's not... Um, it's not a you know a slam dunk situation to say well you know we'll just turn it from one use to the other, um, and then then you have you also have the planning system to contend with which is probably the the topic of another podcast altogether. I knew it wouldn't be that simple. I wanted it to be, but I knew it wouldn't be. I'd agree with that. What Karen's saying is, I think you know despite many retailers having you know very solid real estate strategies. Um, the ability to execute in the timeframes that consumers are seeking is sometimes very hard, as Kevin said. And, and you know, what we, what we do have is where you have operators who have, you know, quite short lease length portfolios, that they are able to move more, more freely. Uh, there are a number of them that have longer leases, um, which, which make, you know, that decision-making harder. And I think Kevin's point about the statutory bodies in place, things like planning, that they will have they have a major impasse on on how quickly you know retail to distribution can move charlie is there a danger for the logistics sector in the downturn in physical retail i mean we we, we talk about logistics and servicing online retail but of course it services physical retail as well and if there's less of that is it is it could there be a downturn in logistics from that no, I don't think there is, uh, and that's for twofold. Because there is such structural change in the retail sector and which has a, a clear impact on the logistics sector, that structural change is here to stay. And also, you've got to appreciate, whilst retail, a huge you know, part of uh, the logistics sector isn't entirely the, or, or the logistics sector. So there are, there are other players and drivers and pressures on, on our sector, which um, is keeping demand up and, and supply limited. We've also seen... Uh, guys that we have seen a number of retailers move from away from physical stores altogether so if you look at the, um, the some of the acquisitions that boohoo made in the last six months so they bought out the brands of oasis warehouse coast and karen millen all of whom historically prior to going into administration had a high street presence 
all those brands are still available, but they're only available online. And so that, that will, you know, help the warehousing side. But sadly, they have no high street presence anymore. So we could talk all day about this. I mean, there are so many things that we that we could explore, but we're going to run out of time. So I'm going to I'm going to move on and ask you three for a Savile standout statistic. I know you've all, well, Kevin, you've been here before, so you know all about this already. You've you two have been warned about the need for a Savile standout stat. Just a little something that makes people go, oh, that's interesting. Where should we start? Well, we know we we sort of traditionally start with the with the researcher. So, Kevin, what's your Savile standout stat today? Um, so online sales are uh, averaging about 30% up compared to where they were this time uh, last year. Um, within that, there's some really interesting data. And my, my standout stat actually is that the online sales for garden products are 171% up um, compared to 2019. So everyone's been doing their gardens in lockdown, it would seem. I'm not in the least bit surprised. I can't find an, um, an umbrella for the garden for love nor money everything's out of stock uh but it's not about me so Stephen, uh what's your uh what's your savile standout stat uh, my standout stat is that, uh next sell circa 500 third-party brands through their label online platform which contributes in excess of 400 million pounds of turnover a year into the next business of selling third-party products wow that I re- that, that genuinely is a wow. I had no idea about that. Uh, Charlie, what have you got for us? Now I was worried. I was worried Kevin was going to steal my stat, but um, I saw an um, ONS statistic earlier in the week, uh, which said it took seven years for online retail um, to grow from ten to twenty percent of total retail sales. Um, this year, it took just seven weeks up until April to grow from twenty to thirty percent. And as we've been hearing, we, we estimate it's, it's now greater than that. Um, so, so structural change for the logis- the logistics sector is is here to stay and will only continue. Yeah. Well, I, I, will it only continue, or is there a COVID effect on that, which will come back a bit? Do we think? Who's got a view on that? Um, I we we hosted a seminar uh, about two years ago, and we had a speaker called Eva Pasco, who's a, a retail futurologist and i asked her the same question and she said she thought 80 percent of all retail sales could be online now she may have been doing that to you know to to wow the audience um there's always certain stuff that you can't do online you know you can't get a haircut online as my um my my uh, covid hair uh, demonstrates um so you know i think she's optimistic um if i'm honest with you gents i i i i think um I think we're going to see a period whereby, with weakening retailer covenants, that the finance options available for what is undoubtedly a significant amount of capex you require to put into your distribution. I think what we're going to see is is there is going to be a huge amount of growth, but I think what we will look at see is brands looking to come and join existing platforms. I think the other, you know, it's all about the cost of these things, and and retailers increasingly you know, are going to be focused on that every time you touch that parcel somewhere in your system, there's a cost. And we're going to, you know, they're going to be looking at a number of initiatives in terms of how you can keep that cost down. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. 
Jens, thank you very much for that. Thank you for your wisdom and thank you for your time. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If all we've done is whet your appetite for more information and knowledge, and I wouldn't be surprised if we have, you'll find plenty to satisfy you in the research section of the Savills website. Savills.co.uk slash research is where to go to find that. If you're not already a subscriber to Real Estate Insights, then why not? Uh, and please feel free to become one using your usual podcast provider. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.